be home for like the next two months anyway, and it's kind of nice not to have any social gatherings because I've just been focused on editing. So that's been like good, sadly. Good and bad. I mean, bad for the world, good for me. Yeah, you have an excuse to just like completely lay low. Yeah. I get it. It was a lot more work than I anticipated, as you already know anyway. <laughs> a decade later. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's see. We're recording in Zoom, so I'm going to go. So you pay attention to me going live. Um, oh, wait. Everyone mute. I can also. What's up? I haven't done it yet, so hold on. One I can mute too when I'm not talking. Oh no, you don't have to. Don't do that. That's annoying. You don't have to do that. Okay. I raise my hand. I forgot. They're, they have some new way of going on to the live, and now I forgot what it is. Wait. I'm actually surprised that I don't see any friends that are live right now. It's like a daily thing. I know. Okay, wait. I think. Hi, where did you? Non, mais mets tes lunettes si tu veux regarder mon cœur, parce que. Et Marky, mets your mic, please. Can everybody mute, please? Ah ouais, j'entends Argel et. Oh, it's your people. Ah, tu nous entends? On est là de Paris. Bonjour. Hello, everyone. Wait, I forgot. I'm going crazy. Hold on. They have a new way of going live and now I forgot what it is. Hold on. Hey, Lina. Yeah. Do you remember what Satya had me do last week? Because it's like a new thing that they... You might have been from profile. Sorry? From profile? Yeah, there was like, oh, wait. Oh, I think I got it. Hold on. Let's not get too excited. I think I got it. Okay, Matt, are you watching for me? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Checking connection now. I am now live. Okay. Uh, I see you. Okay. Ooh. Matt Smiley's. I almost went into the mural festival, so there we go. What'd you say? Matt Smiley joined. All right, so here we go. I'm going to view and go live with Matt Smiley. Um, <gasps> there you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So now you can hear me in both places, right? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Perfect. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So let's just kick it off with um, how you're doing in quarantine. Um, well, I think to begin, like quarantine for me personally has actually been pretty good because I've been on the road for a greater part of this whole past year, pretty much since last April and just got home early March. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was planning to be on the in the editing room. And so like in a filmic sense, I think usually we're also busy running around, going to people screenings, going to art shows, which I love, love doing and obviously seeing friends. So I think that component mm -hmm. is tough because I think. Mm -hmm. Off other people and other people's energy and creativity and you see something at an art show and you're fueled by it. But I feel for this quarantine time period, for me, it's been great because there's really more so than ever like a laser focus mm -hmm. that you don't have an excuse that you're not, your thoughts aren't kind of scattered. You're really focused on one task. Mm -hmm. So that's so you, been nice. You like, you like honing in. 
Yeah, I think the, the honing in part to me is really important, especially in the project that I've been working on. I've been working on a documentary where we, we did shoot in almost every single province and territory all across Canada, mm-hmm. uh, focused on indigenous childcare. And wow. um, the thing for me though, is that also being quarantined at home, being somebody who wants to go out and wants to help people or active within the community it is kind of tough to know that there's other people that are doing that and and you know was to stay home so yes i understand that that makes a lot of sense so just so you know um we can kind of shift between looking at instagram or zoom whatever wherever you feel inspired you've got friends joining on instagram too Oh yeah, yeah. I see a few more. <laughs> so we can we can go there too. Um, okay. So backstory: how you and I connected. I don't know if you know this, but I was at the opening at the Mondrian. Um, when was that? That was in January, late January last year. Last year. Okay. What was yeah. the theme of that exhibit? The theme for that show was called Reset. Okay, Reset. And, it's, it's good. and it's honestly, good. what's weird is it is just back and kind of looked at that because I've been conceptualizing some new ideas to come back with some art. And it's kind of funny that that is really where we, we did connect. And one thing for the Mondrian in particular, it was a hotel, or it mm-hmm. still is. <laughs> uh, obviously an iconic place, but it's somewhere where a lot of people, different likes from all likes of the world, always come in to rest, to recuperate, to feel kind of creative freedom, because I think whenever you're traveling, people always have these ideas. And the main thing was to have a fresh new year. Sadly, <laughs> I think, uh, we, we've, we've, we've definitely changed our perceptions for 2020, but I think there's also some good things that have obviously come out of quarantine, but I, I think that whole idea of fresh new spirit and, and, and you know, fresh coat of paint, that was, that was really the, the theme behind it, was really to make people happy and not be too obtrusive, mm-hmm. especially in a lobby setting um, where you have hundreds, if not thousands of people in a day, pending on, if they have an event or not, mm-hmm. you, you, as an artist, you want to express yourself, but you also have to be cognizant of, like with filmmakers, your, your audience too. Absolutely. Well, I thought it was great. Like I loved your energy there and we didn't actually officially meet there. No. <laughs> which is funny. It was like this precursor, like foreshadowing kind of thing. Um, because I then later invited you to speak at a panel um, screening about, it was, I'm getting an echo, so sorry. I'm gonna take one of these out. It's like making me distracted. Okay, Um, so we had a screening last June at the Ace Hotel, the Downtown United Artists Theater. And it was incredible. And Mary Pickford founded United Artists and she was who the movie is about. And I really wanted to not just focus a panel on the movie. I wanted to bring artists together and kind of recall the original philosophy of United Artists, which is actually artists uniting. Um, People forget that because it became such a big studio, but it was really about um, creative freedom and creative integrity and um, artists connecting dots and themes and all of that. So can you kind of speak to what that means to you, artists uniting? And especially at this time, um, because I noticed in your art, I wrote down a couple of those quotes that I had like pulled these art pieces that were made, you know, a couple of years ago, (laughs) but they're so like universal. It's like, um, sometimes the world is not that simple or lose yourself in the moment now more than ever. Your time is limited, you know, such universal themes. So artists uniting and then also like, where were you at? when you were making those pieces and, and bringing forth that actually wisdom. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think wisdom was definitely not the thing that I was leading off with. Um, but I think to start off on, on, on our connection, which is also somewhat of a virtual one, um, we definitely have a very big mutual friend pool. And I know I had various friends in your film that you had been working on for years. So I, I had been hearing stories of various friends, uh, you know, including like Scott Hayes or um, Heath Freeman too, who was in your film. And you know, just just hearing all all the work that that kind of goes on in the background, and all those other friends through that web coming together and helping each other prepare for their roles or seeing where they can kind of add their their two cents or hopefully it's more than two cents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I thought that, that was 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 pretty cool, and I think the other part was I was pretty shocked. But I think I always am a little bit shocked when people invite me places, especially. <laughs> um, I think I've gotten pretty used to it over the years as far as like on an activism side. Um, but uh, it still is, I think, in every moment that somebody does reach out to you in terms of trying to continue a dialogue or push it forward. That I, I think that that is, uh, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. And, and I thought it was really impressive on a night that is focused on, on you and your creative endeavor, especially with your film, but your film really is about all these artists uniting, um, that it was really interesting to see that list uh, of panelists uh, and speakers that you really had there, artists, all sharing their idea. And I think that speaks also to your generosity. Um, but it is really pushing forward that, that idea that you really want this collective experience. Absolutely. And, and with regards to like my, my artwork and foreshadowing, uh, <laughs> you know, what we might need or not need in, in this time period, I think um, the way I approach my artwork changes from, from one mood to the next or, you know, I never really have like a set intention as to what I want to do in one particular painting or one series. Sometimes that comes through as, as you kind of evolve. Because um, we did talk in the beginning of the conversation, uh, you know, where, where we did meet uh, at the, the, the opening for Reset. Um, but some of the pieces that you did mention as far as those quotes, a lot I'd say 95% of what I'm writing on, on canvas is really automatic writings. Mm -hmm. um, and I think subconsciously not really knowing it, but it's more now in meeting a lot with people that have collected my work or meeting a lot more gallerists all across the world and, and trying to figure out where my dialogue works in, in certain places. Um, there's artists that I didn't necessarily understand, let's say five years ago, guys like Ed Roche mm -hmm. or Mel Bachner, mm -hmm. who do have these sometimes very premeditated words, even if they're very simple, but they resonate with people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard to have that self-reflection on your own words and be like, well, this is very deep and meaningful and where does it come from? Um, but I, I kind of like the, the playful nature that I let myself just go with, with, with that one. Um, but sometimes the world is not that simple, I think is definitely one of my pieces that did the most rounds on the internet. And uh, I hate saying that and also I like it because it's tough where we live now more so than ever online as opposed to in person. And I think I'm, I'm definitely a person that thrives on, on meeting people in person and having that connection or being at an art show and seeing not just myself, but how other friends uh, interact with, with their audience, mm -hmm. essentially, or, or, or what they're trying to, to project. And I think it's the same thing for you know, filmmakers or musicians that are also feeding off you know, the, the energy of, of, of other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, so you're saying you, you kind of a channel in, in the creative process. Yeah, I definitely say it's, it's a channeling. And I think when you talk about artists uniting, um, you know, one of the things that I think will be 
pretty painful for a lot of people in a lot of cities across across the world is uh, to me something that that does it's not necessarily my my primary motivating factor in terms of my inspiration for art but just going to music shows you know and and musicians have a great way of getting people together and feeling like kind of a collective feeling and sometimes you can go to a music show you might be tired and you're like oh let's do it you get home late but the next day you feel like you've gotten something and it kind of gives you energy to to, to create and that's something that I'm, I'm curious to see how that affects not just myself and my work but but also that of some of my friends mm -hmm. yeah that's an interesting point you make about that exchange between artists just in experiencing each other's um, sort of creations in the space with the viewer, with the audience. And how is this virtual experience really shifting what that exchange is? You know, I've definitely been surprised to um, go to some ceremonies and things virtually and to see how palpable the energy was because I wouldn't have expected that. I was always laying low with social media and stuff. This is all <laughs> new to me, you know what I mean? So I'm very like, I want the theater, I want the sacredness of bodies together and that kind of ceremonial feeling that you get by walking through an art exhibit or going to a show or there's something very magical that I didn't think could could transfer over and it's different but it has its magic too I feel like oddly you know yeah I think there's a different different sort of magic uh I've definitely done a lot of workout videos we're watching you know using a Nike app uh I haven't really done any meditation areas but that it is a very different human experience to not really be connecting with people and I think this past year in particular I probably traveled more than I ever have in my life in a, in, in a certain sense but really only within Canada when I was there um, but all those experiences was also you know getting back to traditional roots getting back to to the earth and, and what it means and listening and, and, and hearing people's stories of how, you know, natural habitat really affects you as a person. But it's just also in hearing a lot of very, very touching personal stories is that connection of just like a hug. And I know in, in my editing process yeah. recently is, uh, you know, there's one particular person that I've been following throughout this new documentary and, it, and it's interesting now in retrospect, not even several months later, to see what a hug can do for another person when they need it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you, know, you know, there's certain parts or, or stories that we ourselves hear from friends or that they write us and we feel emotional about them because there's a, a whole story behind it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something so natural, almost you know, from even childbirth to when you're an adult that just that that human connection is, is the physical touch yeah, yeah very 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 strong and and to me watching some of that and seeing what those people were getting from that specific person that i'm following around is very touching and sad at the same time because I, I wonder in this time period when we're thinking of in introvertedly, you know, what is quarantine? Uh, is this really a time for us all to kind of think about how we interact with each other? Mm -hmm. uh, are we forming different types of relationships? Now it's a very different form of human connection. I think there's a really good part to it and, and, and another part that's might get lost at some point. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, well, that brings me to something you mentioned and also the, the name of the series. You know, I'm gonna do something I did last time and see how this works. I'm gonna take these out for my side. I can hear you. I can you, hear you, but not as well. And then there's a, and there's a big echo. Okay, I'm gonna turn it back. Reverb, okay. <laughs> 
not working. Always, always playing here. Okay. Um, so humanizing the icon, which was like another, oh, this is better. Okay. Another connection that you and I had is that, um, and actually Ancelio too, which um, I- I'm I loving what he's doing, by the way. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm a big fan of his work too. Yeah, his work is amazing. So for the people on Instagram, um, Chelio Bourdine. Oh, you don't have to come, Chelio. Keep working. It's okay. <laughs> is um, doing this incredible live art, channeling the energy of our of our chat here in the Zoom room. So we'll end up posting it, sharing it with people that aren't seeing it. Um, so yeah, humanizing the icon. Um, after that Ace Hotel event with the Mary Pickford film where you spoke on the panel, uh, we were invited to show the film in Venice, Italy at the Art Biennale, which is so interesting as a filmmaker to go into the art world. Um, my film is considered avant-garde, experimental, the straight narrative industry folk have labeled it these things. and so. It was really, really cool to transcend film and go into that kind of broader world um, where kind of anything goes. And I, with a group of artists, went over to Venice and curated this incredible exhibit called Humanizing the Icon. And you actually contributed a piece to that. Um, yeah, I forgot I did. <laughs> <laughs> Another connection we have. Yeah. Um, which was a, ha a piece about happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so that was really powerful and humanizing the icons started as like this question because Pickford was the first America's sweetheart, the first uh, movie icon, the first. Yeah. And Canadian too. And Canadian. Yeah. And I had two artists from Montreal on this chat last week. Oh, awesome. So, Are you from Montreal? Yeah. I love Montreal so much. Yeah, it is a great city. It's such an incredible, it's like my favorite. But, um, so yeah, Pickford being the first pop culture icon kind of became a portal for me uh, in terms of this exploration of what is icon. And I ended up going into religious iconicism and, you know, back and back and back. What is image? What is projection? Um, Icon's also like a button you push on your computer, right? And you kind of learn that it's symbolic just in all these different realms. And it became beyond human form to where is the system an icon that we're like sur subservient to? Is love an icon? And that's like really what we're seeking. So what do you think, because whether you thought of these things before or not, you participated <laughs> in the <laughs> exhibit and happiness is iconic right? It's like this thing we want to attain and we can't really touch it, but yet we can sometimes, or we don't know, is it a state of being? Is it a mood? Like what is happiness? And so it becomes this iconic thing, almost like larger than life where you're like on this quest for it, you know? So yeah. I kind of got deep into the rabbit hole of icon and a lot of people think of fame first, but it just went way beyond that what do you like what does the word icon conjure for you now that i've kind of tangentially said all of those things <laughs> yeah. in piggybacking off what you said yes uh you know to me icon kind of means a lot of different things i i think about when i was growing up like my my grandparents were artists and my my grandfather and great aunt and aunt as well in particular and i think as artists um my grandfather in particular would would always draw people's faces so like mm. thousands of drawings of him just drawing people's faces and my early recollections of his work but also hearing stories was he was one of the last people to sketch houdini this is okay wait matt yeah this is the second time someone's brought up houdini who's also mentioned in my movie and is the name of my cat that's like okay. sitting right here. <laughs> so, Houdini's like with us. <laughs> okay, go ahead. 
Um, and, and that interesting part, because I think as a kid, you don't really think about icons. You just think about kind of what's in front of you and your friends and nature and biking and getting hurt and crashing through windows and falling off balconies. Um, but you don't really understand what fame is because you can think of children of famous people, even the most famous people on earth that have children, their children look at them as their parents. Mm -hmm. so you kind of have that icon iconography, which is basically something that you're attracted to or familiar with. Mm -hmm. in, familiar in, with. In my them. mind, uh, there's certainly like throughout our history, there's, there's certain icon iconography that that definitely kind of plays into that and i think we start to learn what is an icon like now anytime somebody sees an apple they definitely think of the computers and all mm -hmm. these various other brands and i almost feel like it's becoming too much yeah um where yeah but i think in in one sense becoming an icon is a little bit dangerous for people Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, maybe even for brands as well, but I, I do feel that anything that people have a very profound emotional connection towards, I feel definitely kind of falls in that category of, uh, of icon. Mm -hmm. um, I think about when Andy Warhol really started to use that repetition with, it, with his printmaking tactics. Uh, or, or craft rather and that now in 2020 to see what he had really started to to make famous essentially not not just his artwork but furthering that idea of the iconic image by just reproducing it reproducing it reproducing it and then we see with this newer generation of artists like even uh, you know Shepard Fairey Obey mm -hmm. who grew up within that you know, generation, but is passing it on now into to our generation as far as being able to communicate. And I think that really is that. And I've kind of given this idea of icons also a, a lot more thought recently, mainly due to the documentary that I've been working on. And, and last year in Canada was the, the year of the language, where in, mm -hmm. in Canada you have almost over 150 different languages. Wow. Languages, which I didn't really learn about in school. But once you start hearing that language, but especially for me as more of a visual person as opposed to, uh, you know, audio lingual, uh, seeing images of what people were writing hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, that those icons, people could communicate. Yeah. And that to me is, is really fascinating. Um, and I think in terms of us having a connection to somebody, like you think of James Dean, you think of uh, even the Pope or, or all these big iconic, if we're speaking people, figures, uh, mm -hmm. kings and queens, uh, religious figures, or Jesus Christ, they're all... He comes up in every conversation. Yeah. But, Best you know. branding ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think there's no secret to that. And I think within myself as an artist, uh, I think for a majority of my life, trying to hide away from the name Smiley, which is as soon as you meet somebody, I think people have uh, an impression of what that means. Symbolize, you know, happiness. And <laughs> but I think if, if, if I walked around everywhere with like a bubbling laughter, you know, there would be potentially something wrong with me. <laughs> Um, but it's also thinking of, while my not being, uh, you know, famous, but having a name that's associated with so many things that we see every day, like a smiley face or that people use, mm -hmm. I've always been kind of cognizant of not falling into a trap of just making paintings with smiley faces too, which are quite iconic. That's so interesting. You just said like so many things that mm. intrigue me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, one is like, I'm not echoing for you, right? Not really, no. Only for me. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, is this idea of iconic language, just even the words we use being iconic in the sense mm. that they paint a picture 
anything that we say to someone conjures an image in their psyche, which may not be what the person saying it is even seeing or meaning, but it automatically becomes iconic in their psyche, which kind of makes sense in terms of how like religion would spread and these kind of iconic movements would happen through language. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I, I'm sometimes a little bit fearful as to where language um, will evolve to, mm -hmm. especially with text messaging and video chats and obviously people not necessarily just writing. Um, yeah, it, I, I do feel we, we kind of will eventually go down a dangerous path. And I think also trademarking certain Words, yeah. And words it, it is interesting, and it is true that people do invent stuff. And I think in, in my lifetime, it was really, I can feel like Paris Hilton was one of the first with the that's hot. Yes. <laughs> it almost symbolizes a certain time period. Um, in, in, and it, it does fall under that iconic thing. It's like to be able to trademark something, and that gets into a whole other realm of of where that sits on our on our human human connection and and who is allowed to say certain things and not wow yeah and words are just and i mean they're so potent anyway and in even in like science and spirituality really talking about the frequency or vibration that a word carries and that's energy so essentially you're trademarking energy yeah so mind-blowing. Thank you for blowing my mind. <laughs> and um, also the whole like Warhol thing is interesting to me because he really um, came into my life at such a young age. I mean, preteen. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how because I lived in Kansas. Like I have no idea what it was. But somebody introduced me. And um, do you know his backstory? Uh, Warhol? Yeah, like how he was this child that was, well, he was albino. He was like almost blind. He was completely socially rejected at school as a kid. He was um, sick a lot and basically couldn't go to school most of the time and didn't want to. It was like horrible. And he would stay at home with his mom and actually draw and paint. And he had this real... Uh, almost like technical, t raw talent. Like he could really craft flowers and landscape and things and and shoes but, and shoes. Yeah, oh, I, I didn't know that. All his uh, his sketches uh, <clears throat> that my girlfriend Justine got for me because I am a, a, a Warhol fan. That he actually sketched. Oh yeah, I mean his, oh, his cool. sketches and his drawings are are really beautiful. I'm pretty sure, I think it was Asuline that did do a, a whole series of his sketching because he did work in advertising. Um, and yeah, and so, that element, so excited. Uh, yeah, no, I'll let you <laughs> no, go. No, go ahead, go ahead, you, you go, yeah. No, and I do find it really fascinating where his, where his entry really into the art world was because now that we see how much modern art uh, is seeping into advertising, especially you know, over the last couple of years, graffiti was really prevalent. And there was also yeah. some, you know, big artists too, uh, with like landmark lawsuits with, you know, Mercedes-Benz and, and how art is also used within advertising and what is free, what is not free. But I feel like Warhol was one of those first to really jump from the advertising world and use some of those tactics there that manipulate people into having a connection. And, yeah and, and going you know and translating that into art essentially yeah and that's what was fascinating exactly what you just said in terms of learning um what his background was in his childhood and that his objective at least in this biography was to become famous because of all of that social rejection and that experience of not having acceptance and connection with peers as a child. And so to become the art in and of himself, like he figured out how to make himself famous by 
taking what society, what the zeitgeist was offering at that moment and replicating it and like feeding the feeding people, Marilyn Monroe and all these iconic images then made him the icon. But knowing that it came from this place of like looking for love and connection was really, really um, eye-opening for me. It really was eye-opening to, to kind of see that his iconicism really came from that place of seeking love and acceptance and community. Yeah. Well, I think there's always the, the, the first goal is probably that communication is lacking somebody to, to communicate with or somebody that understands the person or the artist. And I think also with a lot of actors, um, I don't think anybody ever really sets out to be famous. Um, I think he did. But he definitely, you know, was very <laughs> conscious of it. And I think the, the point was definitely proven for sure. Yeah, and, and I- succeeded. And yeah, I did work on a project years ago with um, a, a, a woman that I, I I, I adore a woman called Catherine O'Sullivan, and she did a, a documentary project called Andy Warhol's um, Factory People. Oh. It was all interviewing all some of those old factory factory people, um, you know, alliances, including like Mary Warnoff, who is one of his original Warhol superstars. And it just is interesting that not only did he want to make himself famous. You know, mm -hmm. he, he, he was responsible for, for pushing and, and creating that for other people as well. Absolutely. Even to the point where there's a term, it's Warholian. You know, I worked with David LaChapelle at one point and we were friends like back in the day. Um, and people would call him Warholian. Yeah. You know, because he was really pushing the zeitgeist too and also turning fame on its head in a way by putting celebrities into these bizarre scenarios and just what was going on in his head and having first access to that i was always i'm a huge fan of it yeah yeah it's wild right oh yeah, yeah yeah and especially in new york at the what's the the bar called in the hotel ah, i forget um rose bar is it rose bar Oh yeah, Rose Bar. Yeah, yeah, Rose Bar, and he's got the two or four images there, but it's kind of an interesting place because there's so many different characters from Wall Street bankers to uh, writers, poets, artists, anybody, you know, and, and his work provokes a response, and, and I do find that really interesting and definitely does play on that, that fame factor as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, yeah, like shifting the paradigm. And, and raising the question of the line between art and life. Yeah. And I guess this is the, the next question really is like, does the human being have anything to do with their own so-called iconicism? Like, do you find that it's even connected or they're sort of representing like archetype? Uh, I, well, I think we're in an interesting time period and it's funny that we're on Zoom, we're on Instagram, God knows where this conversation will end up, if anywhere. <laughs> Definitely uh, on our YouTube channel. <laughs> you know, on YouTube. Subscribe, people. <laughs> you know, one thing is going from all these various different platforms to now, obviously, TikTok being something that, that is huge. Um, and especially people uh, who historically would not have a huge amount of connection with other humans just outside of their community or outside of their city, um, to be able to reach thousands, if not millions, millions. of people. Um, you know, one of the most fascinating things to me, especially in working with youths um, over the, the past year, is how much of a connection they have with people all over the world and you can be in the Arctic, you can be in, in any other place, you can be in, in Italy yes. uh, and really find a connection with people. Uh, and that to me, I think is, is kind of fascinating, but I think also is demystifying a lot of that becoming iconic. And I think it's people are starting to just see each other on, a, on an equal playing ground. Which I, which I think is good. Because I think even for me, starting in film mostly mm -hmm. and moving into artwork, 
regardless of the medium that you find yourself within art and even probably in business and business people kind of want to one up each other. But also we are finding, and especially even with quarantine is, is coming together and finding common ground where there's always room for the other to inspire the other and not necessarily push them back down. Um, that I feel like having all this access for us to be on an even playing field that Tom Cruise can have just as much power as uh, anybody in any random place on earth mm -hmm. putting themselves live on, on Instagram or on TikTok, that they can reach the exact same amount of people and affect the same amount of people that I think it, 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 it does kind of even that, that, playing field and it kind of changes our perception of what is you know icons and fame and yeah and that's that's the humanizing part in humanizing the icon yeah. um what you're talking about is evening that field and also what i'm so fascinated with is what people are seeking in that idolization and and helping that lens to sort of turn to where people see that they have that, that they have that their own superpower to unlock. And yeah. leadership is important and inspiration is important in all directions. But this idea of like self-realization, um, I think is a big part of deconstructing iconicism. You know, because the icon, I believe, lives inside. And you can only really see what you carry, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting because in, in every lifetime, and I love the way you've kind of phrased that, but within different generations' lifetime, there's certain people or leaders, which is, you know, kind of the word that you've used, is there's certain people that do take a, a, a natural leap. And there are natural leaders. Is it something that's built? That's something I haven't quite discovered, you know, in, in, in my lifetime. Um, but you take any group of 15, 20 people together, people start to find where they feel most comfortable, whether they want to sit more on the sidelines or if it's a sports analogy, which position they want to play. Um, that sometimes, you know, great leaders are really hard you know, few and far between, but when, when they do arise, it is interesting that a, a large number of people can kind of pool, pool together. And I think that's also interesting right now, kind of deconstructing that idea of the icon of mm -hmm. what we've been talking about is now that we're all kind of confined to our computer screens and trying to refigure out how to interact with each other is how you source your information, your friends, how you go about your day, and what, what is right, what is wrong. It's, it's, very, it's very tough. Yeah, and also I, I agree with you um, about leadership. And that's why it's also like interesting to distinguish between icon and leader, because a natural leader doesn't necessarily become iconic. And a person that's not a leader, that doesn't mean that they don't still carry those qualities of this like radiance or whatever your, each person I believe has their own like unique kind of um, alchemy or their own like gift, their own combination of qualities and elements that combine to make who they are. And I just get inspired to see people kind of step into that, you know, more and not just look to the outside to say, oh, I'm not that. Yeah. So I'm just going to fixate on it and, and, and kind of be depressed a little bit. Well, I think it, it's actually interesting, like two days ago or so, and I'm, I'm not active at all on, on social media in, in particular, um, but I do love to keep in touch with friends and especially now, you know, I find myself looking a little bit more at, at Instagram to see what some friends are doing when I'm not, you know, trying to call them because you're trying to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as far as like that, that relation between leader and icon, 
if we didn't have any of this technology and didn't really travel outside of our own, what we see, and I, I thought about this going further, further north, let's say even towards the Arctic, and thinking about how people used to live. And you would basically have your, your family, your immediate family, and you know those people, your parents or your sister or brother, could be those people to you. Mm, you that's beautiful. Them. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's where we kind of get a little bit, uh, it's where we lost. Have kind of our own, yeah, it's lost or it's believing in something. And, and obviously certain families don't stay together and there's certain things that happen within what happens in life. But, you know, I do feel that people go out and search what they need to make themselves, as you said, feel better and not feel mm -hmm. bad about themselves. Because even within families or sports teams or in school, certain people excel in math, certain people excel in, you know, media arts or debates, whatever it is, is that I think there's no place where we're not going to feel uncomfortable or sad because those are our human natural mm -hmm. thoughts that, that kind of come to us. And I think that's kind of being a, a compassionate human being, but I, I just hope that we don't lose some of that too. But I think especially with Instagram and especially now during quarantine and watching a lot of the, what we know is the bigger famous people that we've watched on television for the last several years, kind of showing how they live their day-to-day -day life. And, and people, you know, comments, they're like, oh, you know, they have self-doubts like me or, you know, they have good days and bad They days. really don't, people don't realize that. Yeah. And, and, and it is interesting. And, and especially for me, having kind of grown up in, in film and television and especially surrounded by friends that are constantly immersed in that, it's meeting people, whether it be at events or dinners or wherever on an airplane um, that are iconic mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting when you actually start really interacting with them that you know it's it's the human connection and they they want that as well and I think you had mentioned something a couple of minutes ago uh, and I think it is kind of dangerous sometimes for certain certain people um, to become too iconic without them wanting to because it will interfere with the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I know over the past year, there's a couple of people that I've met, uh, you know, less so on a political scale, but even within social work. And I think social work is also a very private thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's an art, you know, in terms of really wanting to help people not just personally, but also as a collective. Uh, and there's a lot of social workers that I feel are just as effective as big icons and, and move mountains yes. to make people's lives or heads healthier or bodies or minds. And this falls into yoga teachers or what, wherever people find that common dialogue. Um, that sometimes it could be dangerous. And I do know a couple that are and could be quite famous, but go to lengths to not take pictures with other famous people or just try to stick to their books and move things forward. And that's where they feel comfortable, which is good. So they might yeah. not want to take that leadership role and, and kind of morph that. Uh, I think it's remaining human. And I think as much as you're an icon, there's got to be that remaining remaining human and remaining human to the public yeah you're always human to yourself and then yeah you might have to carry the weight of that iconic baggage that <laughs> yeah uh, i love iconography iconography icons i do love yeah. icons and i love being able to to be inspired by people and you know, you grow up thinking of Picasso and you say Warhol, but even actors and growing up in film and you think of Brando and James Dean mm -hmm. or, or the, the great women, you think of Mary Pickford. All of them had this communication that, that we fall into. And I, and I do think that 
there is something great because it brings you something. I've been affected by all those people. And, and so I think that they did bring a lot of good. And I know she did, especially in bringing all these artists together and, and paving the way too for, for women in film and, and that kind of element. So, so to me, I do think that it's very important. Yes, and a lot of times the iconicism kicks in once someone's passed away. Um, when their mistakes, their humanness are not being scrutinized anymore, you know, then the, then the purity of the, of the mission is born. Like, oh, she was really about these values. Yeah. But then there's like years of her life where they're focused on her love affair or, <laughs> you know, this or that. And those things become iconic too. Um, so interesting and in like how much uh, culture or social norms like help inform what becomes iconic. I mean, it's an iconic moment right now. It's, a, it's an iconic pandemic, an iconic virus. You know, but going back to what you were talking about, um, yoga teachers and social workers and that, that iconic energy, like you're talking about, that's not about fame. Um, yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah. I think it's, that is not about fame and it's really about communication. Exactly. And it always comes back to communicating is what people are communicating. Like I have certain friends of mine that I idolize because you sit at a dinner table and you hear them speak and break down certain things. And, and especially right now, as I've switched a little bit from, you know, canvas art to, to working on a, on a documentary that has a lot of moving pieces is, realizing where your strengths and weaknesses are and reaching out to people that can communicate them in a better way. Absolutely. Better in a different way and in a way that can reach more people and, and that are much more structured. Like for me, I think my brain's always going in 15 different directions where I know if I need to zero in on a thought, there's certain people in my life that I've met over you know, the last 25, or so years is that that I that I respect and respect the way their mind works to break you know break things down. I think that collective working is great. Absolutely, we're all like pieces of a puzzle. Yeah. Can you tell us what your documentary is, or is that? Secret? I mean, yeah. It, the The document, the main focus of the documentary is basically on Indigenous Child and Family Services, but I say that as a, a general basis. Um, you know, the film's been, well, definitely well, well over a year in, 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 the, in the making, uh, in the shooting of it, um, but there is really very much a focus on, you know, foster care and kids in care. <clears throat> um, but what that does is there's so many tentacles to that, mm -hmm. uh, and it really does all fall down to communication. And, so and, and for me, who's, you know, never been particularly fond of looking back and you always want to look forward, uh, is in discovering, uh, more so I've always been definitely over the last couple of years, very passionate about indigenous issues. And, you know, one of my big ones that we definitely spoke about during your film screening at the panel afterwards was the missing and murdered women. Mm -hmm. Um, missing women and girls is starting to learn the history and coming from those tragedies but also just starting to backtrack of why certain people end up in certain places and kind of mm -hmm. taking accountability for where we currently sit in every sense of the word because um, there's you know, I've been focused on Canada because that's what I know, even though I've lived here for almost 20 years in, in, in the States, but every country has kind of like their issues, but is always turning back and looking at the kids and, and it's kind of reverting back to our icons again, of the parents look, you know, kids looking at the parents or their relatives or their friends when they're growing up is kind of what we're, we're giving them. So it's trying to figure out how 
you can give everybody the tools that they need to actually be happy and to to fulfill their dreams really yes yeah and and so just know necessarily answer your full question because i'm still in somewhat of a discovery mode and, and i no. know the mandate that i had to do this project i think is is one that needed to be very personal in one sense and and, and kind of honor a lot of the stories that were were shared with me um from so many different locations and and, and special people and it's, i'm curious to see even now within our discussion and with quarantine is I think about going to your film screening and seeing the, not just the film that you created, but also an environment of people mm -hmm. that you wanted in your orbit and the hotel that you picked and the screening location to really give off a springboard, you know, for you and the ideas that you want to project mm -hmm. uh, that I think is important for film. And uh, while I, I love Netflix and I love all these, the, the, the streaming elements, I hope that our collective, not just for film, but for music and, and, and all these other creative and even speeches outside of any creativity, but in science or whatever, that we can enjoy those together. I agree with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And um, I think we will. I have a yeah. good feeling. <laughs> um, okay, before we go, what is your definition which sounds so academic, but it doesn't need to feel that way, um, of the word artist. And does that, do you think everyone's an artist as they design their reality? Or how do you define artist? I think absolutely. The, the answer is I think everybody is an artist. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all inherently have different talents. Um, but I think anything that anybody does is, is artistic. And I think, you know, uh, being from the film, television, art, media arts, we're kind of a little bit in a bubble. And I think everybody else in their own realms are in their bubbles. Like all my, my friends who are doctors or nurses or lawyers, if you're a lawyer, you have to be 100% immersed in, in, everything that you do, but I think there is a mastery and an artistry to being a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Able to craft people's minds, whether it's for a good reason or a bad reason. You, know, you can be a corporate lawyer, a defense attorney, but all of those kind of require an artistry. And, and, and I think that artistry comes down to, for me, the, the biggest lessons that I've learned, especially with certain curators that I've spoken to over the last couple of years, as it relates to me is what are you communicating? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what it, you know, yeah, what is your, your dialogue? And I think we all kind of have a dialogue, even if we're silent, we do have a dialogue that we're, we're kind of projecting. Yes. So in that sense, I think we, we definitely do. And, and I think we're seeing it right now, not just with, the doctors and medical practitioners is it's industries at large are working their own artistry to figure out how we can move forward save ourselves and especially you know our elders too mm, that's so well said so beautiful have you um been keeping up with indigenous wisdom in terms of those that have sort of known about this time coming in terms of a big shift in our ecosystem and our species? I say yes and no. I mean, obviously I'm somebody, I, I, I love reading, I love di digesting information. And obviously over the last couple of years, I've been fortunate enough to be in contact with a lot of uh, people, not just older, but even, you know, in the, in the last couple of months, even people that are younger than me that, share their wisdom with you of how they kind of see the world mm -hmm. um and especially with what we're supposed supposed to do but uh i think i always try to look at it as like a blank canvas essentially um i never try to take one thing at face value yeah. 
And, uh, and I think that's, that's been one of the biggest lessons. And I think it, it's tough for us too, where we're so bombarded with information. Yes. <laughs> and in various parts of the world, we have a very 50-50 divide, not just politically, but in terms of what people like. Uh, and even if it's to break it down to, uh, you know, a pop culture gossip column kind of thing is just projecting a guy or a girl famous or not in a, and having people kind of judge that mm -hmm. is, is, is an interesting time period to, to live in. But I think as far as like the wisdom of the earth, out of everybody that I've heard, it's tough to make a decision. Do you plant more trees? Do you take some away? Are we completely polluting our waters? Are we not? Are we doing the right thing with solar power? Is there a bad thing? You know, we, we, it, it's tough, but I try to soak it all in. And, and I think in the end, even people who have way different views than I myself do, their reasoning is there. So it's always trying to understand where, where they're coming from. Sure. And I, and I think that that's where intuition comes in. And I'm really into just like the vibration of our, our own energetic field, because all that information is so interesting and empowering um, and overwhelming. But I think the most that we can do is really work to keep our vibration up. Um, Cause that, that helps with the healing no matter what the water's doing or anything else, because the intention starts to shift and how we, how we want to live just starts to come from the heart rather than, oh, we should do this or that, you know, but yeah, just want to be nice. <laughs> I do feel as far as wisdom and, I, you know, this virus is, is, is one thing that does make you reflect and, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of time by ourselves collectively, everybody that's, here and uh, you know we have so many friends that are and I, I find it fascinating to see what people are really trying to work on themselves whether it's mentally or within their own bodies and seeing how certain friends work so out mystifying cool. that that whole element yeah that i do find fascinating but there's there's one particular wisdom that I, it doesn't matter where you go on earth and i think it's the uh it's water yes and it's sometimes the world is not that simple. It really isn't. <laughs> in particular, there's a, there's a lot of layers to that. And I think sometimes we have to peel away those layers to, to understand certain things better. And uh, it's easy to, to judge someone or something coming in from another location. We're gonna get kicked off of Instagram Live. <laughs> we've, been, we've gone over, Not that's Instagram. never happened. We have like 20 seconds. So Chelio is down. gonna show us the artwork. I we'll post Martin it. There. Oh yeah, Martine. Yeah, Argyle. So and everyone yeah. drink water. We're all, we're all in this together, really. <laughs> yes, hello, hello. Bye. 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 <laughs> Oh wow! The drawing is super cool. Wait. <laughs> ça va, ça va? Ouais. Ça va très bien, Matt. Ça va très bien. Ouais. Great conversation. Ça va très bien. T'as bien, t'as bien répondu. T'as bien répondu. T'es top. Uh, wow. Ouais. Oh, sorry, you're talking. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Moi, je vous appelle tout à l'heure. Ça All va. Right, bye. Bye. That's never happened where we got kicked off of Instagram. Oh, that's funny. They were tired of us. And I was going to say water or breath. Oh, water or breath. Oh, cool. Oh, you actually see all the people here. I'm glad I couldn't see them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there is a lot of people coming on. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was so much fun. Thank you. I loved it. I feel Why like. Why am I on Vanessa Hutchins right now? I don't even think I'm. <laughs> what about Vanessa Hutchins? I don't know why I was I was in her feed of some sorts. Not in her feed, but it just popped up. I'm closing down one and ending up. In I another. feel like we're so nonlinear, and it's like we could talk for a day. Uh, 
I'm like scratching the surface. All right, Chelio, tell us about the the drawing is awesome. I gotta make a hold on. Oh, there we go. Hi, Matt. Hi, Jennifer. Jennifer, you are amazing. Matt, thank you because hyperception because uh, very very uh, it's becoming a very beautiful thing yes i'm surprised too and uh, my catharsis very very deep and becoming this work um for sure matt it's you i think so because that was houdini at first <laughs> i don't i don't think it is only my perception to the energy about the voice, the person. And uh, I think, yeah, I think, yes, this is uh, you. And uh, wow. with uh, uh, a double vision of life, you see, have one is focus on what you want. One is confused for external element you understand what i say is my read now because i can see before when i do it yeah and uh, in in your soul i think so uh somebody in the past where maybe when you uh, was a kid uh maybe somebody always screamed you yeah you have to do this you have to do this no, somebody telling you what to do something like interesting this. yeah and um Oh, yes, other person watching about you. This is, uh, I think, your followers or some people can follow you in your life. Yeah. A, woman, a woman is, uh, this woman you see, uh, watch uh, in another side. It's like, uh, it's a visionary, but it's in your, in, in your energy about today. And then this is a dispersion, I think it's dispersion energy. You, spend a lot of energy and go away in your life and then i think so or lost everybody lost a lot of energy me too in the life and then it's normally but um you have a, a hole here and in the middle of the cows but you take off a bad a bad things yes you it's like your purification a purification yes you find you find a hole it's like moved in vomit like an open channel like an open channel exactly and some queen or important i think it's woman is jealous about you jealous i think so you so matt okay and Yes, I think, yes, it's a lot of people inside, but it's a part of your stories, your energy in general. <laughs> and this is what coming today from the energy about this chat. Uh, you, Jennifer, is inside in this all because you are uh, the best glue in this thing. The conductor. You. That's very fat. Your work is so beautiful and so intuitive. We can't hear you, Telio. Oh yeah, he's on mute. <clears throat> His work is so it's yeah, it's so beautiful. We can't hear you, Telio. I mean <laughs> Telio, okay, bye. The audio. <laughs> I was just saying the audio for him. Oh, 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 he was leaving. And then we can say another goodbye. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you for having me. That was great. It was really fun. I love it. Okay. Ciao. Love